0: Today on Abounding Grace, you may feel that you're trapped today with no way out. You might think you're so far away from God, so deep in your sin, so strung out on drugs, so drunk, such an antichrist spirit in your hearts. And the enemy of our souls might have convinced you that it's too late or you're too far. So just give up and quit. You might even be contemplating suicide right now. That it's so bad and you feel so hopeless that you're thinking of the only way out is to end your life. And God would have me to declare to you that Jesus Christ is ready to deliver you. He is ready to help you. He is ready to free you from your bondage. He is ready to sober you up, turn your life around, forgive you of your sins, give you a plan and a purpose so you can live out all the days of your life to honor and please God. He is able and He is ready.
1: This is amazing grace. For me. Hey, great to be with you, and welcome to another Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're about to deep dive into 2 Peter chapter 2. In essence, the Apostle Peter is saying, watch out for false teachers. Many will follow their destructive ways, and you don't want to be one of them. So this two-part study is going to help us steer clear of them, avoid getting duped ourselves, and stay on the narrow road that leads to eternal life
0: with God. So notice, uh, unfortunately, in verse 2, and this is a sad thing, and this is maybe why you're feeling what you're feeling. It says in verse 2, many, I don't want you to mark this, many will follow their destructive ways. That's one of the reasons why people, some people are no longer in our church, no longer a part of our local fellowship, Calvary Church. Because of this truth, many follow destructive ways. Many get picked off in churches. You know, you don't want it to be that way, and my heart hopes the best. I don't want to see anybody picked off, but the Bible says many are picked off. The Bible says many fall to these false teachings. They follow destructive ways. And because of that, notice what happens. When people follow false teachers, when they fall away, or when it's revealed they were fake believers, or when you backslide, because of them, it says, the truth of God will be blasphemed. And how many of us have met somebody that says, oh, you know, I don't go to church because they're so hypocritical or I don't go to church because that guy at your church burned me or stole from me or lied to me. Yeah, now the name of God is being blasphemed because the end result of false teachers. And it's just sad. Notice because it says in verse three, by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. And for a long time, their judgment hasn't been idle and their destruction does not stumble. So by covetousness, one of the top 10, you know, what we know is the 10 commandments is what? Do not covet. This is a serious sin. And covetousness is, is a sin where you're simply not jealous of someone, like someone has something that you have and, and you want it. You know, and it's like, oh, I wish I had that. But covetousness takes it another step where not only are you mad and upset that someone has something you don't have, but you will go to great lengths to get it yourself, even take it from that person. Right, that's why don't covet. Don't covet is an important, important principle that we abide in, in in the spirit and not, not be caught up in wanting that, being driven by deep, lustful desires. So, what do false teachers covet? Let me. I don't want to develop this. This could be a Bible study in and of itself. I want to give you a couple of things that that they covet and that they will blaspheme God, destroy people's lives to get it. Number one, they covet the power of God. Isn't that the great sin of Satan? In his pride, he wanted the power and position of God. That's really what people want. People want power and control. They want authority over your life. They they want you to follow them. They want to control your life. They want to manipulate you. They want to guilt you. They, They covet power and control. False teachers like to control, manipulate people, and often use spiritual language to do that. Number two, False teachers also covet your time and attention and devotion. They covet your time, attention, and devotion. A real stroke to a man or a woman's pride is to win people to himself or herself. So that now you follow them instead of following the Lord. Although, as they've manipulated and guilted you to follow them, they'll say you're following the Lord. But it's really you hang on every word they say. And you, they hang on every while, all the while they're taking advantage of you. And then thirdly, this is pretty obvious. You probably already, if you're taking notes, you probably already wrote this one down. They covet your money. They want your money. They, they like power. They, they like control. Uh, they like time, attention, devotion. But they want your money. Scheme upon scheme has been developed today to separate God-loving people from their money. And that's why I believe the Holy Spirit teaches us to give as we've purposed in our hearts, not to be persuaded by men, not to be persuaded by guilt trips. But it begins in the heart. It begins in the heart. They lay their little pet teaching or belief alongside the truth. Ultimately, the longer you follow them, the less truth they give you and more of their pet peeve doctrine they give you. So it starts out pretty innocently. And they lay down their their little thing and your truth and usually it starts and then before you know it's all about whatever they're teaching and it's not about the truth at all anymore. Hey, I found this new thing. I got this new doctrine. I found this new group. And you you just, just, somebody does that with you? You just got to step back for a second and say, oh man, this has been hidden from the church for 2,000 years and you're the guy that found it? Because that's really what they're saying. God has hidden this for 2,000 years, and I know physics, and I know math, and I did all the Hebrew lettering and numbers, and here it is. Dude, I doubt it. I think it was Norman Geisler that said, if somebody comes to you with some newfangled teaching you never heard before, if it's new, it's probably not true. But if it's true, it's definitely not new. And I thought that was so good. Some, somebody like, it's, oh, because we have that interest in the new, and we're always like in the new and improved, and especially in a church like ours, you know, a church like ours is pretty repetitive, pretty predictable. What are we going to do? Study the Bible. For how long? A long time. How long are we going to be in the book? Till we finish it. But but Ed, you were gone for a couple weeks. Okay, extended for a couple weeks. You know, it's same thing. What are we going to do? We're going to sing. What are we going to do? We're going to pray. We're going to read the Bible. And you know, if you're not careful, your flesh will say, I'm just bored. Isn't there any more? You know, I visited my friend's church, and they had this, and they had that, and, uh, you know, well, you know, that, that's great and fine what your friend's church was, but we're pretty committed to use the tool of God to give you the Word of God, and, yeah, at times, you know, you may not be connected. That's okay. You might be tired. You could even say, like, yeah, you know, Ed, your teaching is kind of boring. Okay, that's fine, but guard your hearts that that doesn't become an attitude, and now you're vulnerable to somebody you think isn't so boring. And be careful because you and I, we can become very vulnerable. And we want to tune our ears to hear the voice of God and not be easily swayed away. Notice in verse 4 now, it really is connecting with verse 3. Their judgment hasn't been idle. Because you wonder too, the question might be today, well, why is not God just judge them and take them out? Well, the Bible says their judgment's not idle. God's not slumbering. For God, if God did not, verse 4 now, with that mindset he's explaining, if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to Tartarus, and delivered them into chains of darkness, your Bibles might say hell there, but it's the Greek Tartarus, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed with the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Can I just ask you a question here before we get back to the text? Isn't living in the world right now just torturing your soul? I think the old King James uh, talks about how his soul has been vexed. Don't you feel like your soul has been vexed? Like you just, like the news and the the way that people in the church are dividing and the way that, like just the sin. And it seems like sin's getting a pass and getting approval. But, you know, don't you remember this isn't anything new, church? Because in Noah's day, it got so bad that God judged the world. Like the sin that's happening right now is not new. It might be new to us, like God has been merciful to us, that, that we, we've had sort of a Christian or Christianized nation for a while. But man, those days are over. We are a post-Christian, post-modern, post-truth culture. That people are just saying, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care morality. I don't care. We are in the days of judges You think, well, it got to get better after the the flood. Well, in Judges, what was their problem? Everyone did that which was right when, where? In their own minds. Isaiah prophesied. He said, woe to those that call evil good and good evil. And so we're watching what's happening in our world and it's vexing our spirit. But Lot's spirit was vexed. He lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I, you know, we, we the pastors over the years have made jokes. Oh, you know, uh, Sin City, Las Vegas—that's that, like Sodom and Gomorrah. No, Aurora is a lot like Sodom and Gomorrah, and Denver is, and Parker, and Castle Rock, and Monument, and Colorado Springs. Wherever there are people, there's a concentration of sin in that city. There's a concentration of rebellion. And of course, the cities that have more population have a more concentration of sin. But God has put us in this city as light in a dark place. He's put us in this city. He's put us in your city to be a light, to be used of him in these last days. And while we wait and wonder about the judgment of God, it's not, God's not slumbering. This is a time of mercy. God is being merciful And in many ways, you know, it's kind of a twofold feeling. Like on one, it's like, oh, Lord, when? When will you come? When will righteousness come? When will King Jesus rule and reign? We wait for you. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. But at the same time, Lord, my family's not saved. I mean, I don't want you to delay your coming, please. But man, my family, my neighbor, my friend, they're just so caught up in it. Just went back to jail. Just strung out and went to the methadone clinic. They're in a 72-hour hole because they're out of their minds. Lord, my family, I love them. And yes, I know judgment's coming, but I don't want my family to experience judgment. I want them to be saved. I want them to be delivered. I don't, I don't, want, it to be, I don't want it to be like that because you think, you know, there were those that were judged, but there were those that were delivered. The angels that didn't rebel, they were delivered. Noah and his family, delivered. Even Lot, as bad as his behavior got. He was delivered because that's the testimony of our faithful God. Uh, You know, think about this. Notice in verse 9 now. Then the Lord, if he knows how to deliver the angels and Noah and Lot, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Isn't that encouraging? If God knows how to deliver the righteous in the past, he can surely deliver the righteous today. That he is with you and for you. And of course your righteousness is not because you're a good little boy or a good little girl or you, you know, you're a good little Christian. Your righteousness is the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed on your behalf by faith. Forgiving you of your sins. It is not your good deeds or your ability to be good. Because you know as well as I do, you can't maintain the kind of goodness that even you're happy with. Because we all have bad days. You know what I found myself doing recently? And it's just a weird, I had to, I confess it the other day because I did it with Marie in the car. I'm just getting mad at all the drivers around me. I'm becoming an old man driver. <laughs> and I'm just getting mad at everybody. And I'm saying it out loud. And I was finally, I was saying it out loud with Marie in the car and she didn't really say anything about it. And then I did a trip by myself and I'm doing it to everybody. Nobody knows how to drive anymore, only me. And it just, God was just speaking to me about, Ed, you're, that's just a fleshly thing. Like you're just Selfish. And I don't even know where it came from. I think, I, I think personally, and maybe you're experiencing this, that like our flesh, we're, we're looking to seek the Lord and we're looking to obey the scriptures and we're looking to stay out of the fray and we're looking to stay strong. But our flesh is always looking for a way. It's always looking for a way to express itself. And so expressing itself in my car, you would never know that. And I don't even know if God would have convicted me had I not done something with Marie in the car. And and I don't know if she noticed or not, but I noticed. I'm like, man, I've been doing this a lot lately. And I'm not looking at Marie now, but she's probably going, yes, yes, yes. I'm not going (laughs) to look at her. Not even going to look at her. Not even going to look over there. But I don't want to feed my flesh. I don't want to make provision for my flesh. Ultimately, what what is the big deal after all? Whatever people are driving, it's not my business. I got my own business. And, And here I am being upset with people in the world But, you know, God wants to see them saved. I'm being upset with the sin in the world, but God wants to deliver. Listen, I want to suggest this to you. I want you to pray over this. God wants to deliver the very sinners that you're mad at right now. He wants to change their hearts. The one that you're upset with. The one that you're frustrated with. The one that's wrong and it's not right. God wants to say, Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And you always have to add that. Jesus Christ has come to save sinners like Paul, of whom I am chief. I'm the chief sinner. And God delivered the angels. He delivered Noah. And he is able to deliver you. And you might think today on a very practical level, on a personal level, you may feel that you're trapped today with no way out. You might think you're so far away from God, so deep in your sin, so strung out on drugs, so drunk, such an antichrist spirit in your hearts. And the enemy of our soul of our souls might have convinced you that it's too late or you're too far so just give up and quit. You might even be contemplating suicide right now that it's so bad and you feel so hopeless that you're thinking of the only way out is to end your life. And God would have me to declare to you that Jesus Christ is ready to deliver you. He is ready to help you. He is ready to free you from your bondage. He is ready to sober you up. Turn your life around forgive you of your sins, give you a plan and a purpose so you can live out all the days of your life to honor and please God. He is able and He is ready and He can deliver you. He can do it. If you will turn to Him, and listen, you got to be real with your life. You must repent of your sins. You have to be real. You can't just blame it on your family and blame it on the church and blame it on, you can't blame it on God. You must come clean and take responsibility for your own life And your own simple decisions. I don't think you have to rehearse all million sins that you can think of. But you can come to God today, even now, and say, God, I have sinned against you. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I've been going in the wrong direction. I've been living my life the wrong way. You believers and unbelievers can do that. And God will meet you where you are. He is able to deliver you out of those temptations. He is able to deliver you out of your bondage. God knows As we learned earlier in verse 3, remember of chapter 1, as believers now, think about the power you could tap as a believer, that God has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. His divine power resides in you and in me. His divine power. So good. Notice in verse 10, and especially those, if you don't, if you write in your Bibles, would you please mark that? I love this. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They're presumptuous, self-willed, not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. The feeling that you have that things are really wrong and really bad in many ways, God sees it. There's a category of people where the Holy Spirit said, especially those There is a category of evil and wickedness, especially those. And I don't know what God wants to do with those men and women in that category. I don't know. So what I choose to do is love them and serve them and preach the gospel to them. Jesus, he was a man that was hanging out with sinners without sin himself, ministering into places that the religious people would never go to and would come right into their lives Get right up into their lives to serve them and love them. But you're right. There are presumptuous people in the world today. There are self-willed. There are ones we don't know specifically, but there are those on the earth today that have committed the sin of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. They are beyond reach. We don't know who they are. But those that are wondering if they're beyond reach, that's not you. Because a person beyond reach doesn't care. Doesn't even think about it. Because many times people will call and say, Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed, how do we know if we've committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Well, just by asking the question, I'm pretty sure you haven't. (laughs) So let's talk about that in your walk with the Lord right now and just talk about your life. But there is a group. You're not out of your mind thinking, man, there's just a deeper level of wickedness now. There is. It's probably even deeper than you think. Wider than you think. Broader than you think. Higher than you think. But the good news is, is that our responsibility is not to find it all out. It's just to tr- trust in the Lord and follow him. He's got it all taken care of. The Bible says that he will be the one that delivers. He will be the one that helps. And he also is the one that judges. Judgment is in his hands. And again, would you go to Jude real quick? I know we're almost out of time, but I want to cover this super quickly. Would you turn over to Jude uh, right, right before Revelation it's only one chapter. Would you look at verse 9 with me? In Jude, verse 9. And after Moses died, remember we, Michael the archangel's protecting his body, it says, yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they don't know, and whatever they know naturally, like group beasts in these things, they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. And we'll get into that when we study Jude not too long from now. But why, why would they fight over the body of Moses? What, what is this? But even in the battle for the body of Moses, I, I think the battle for the body of Moses was desecration uh, it was to bring shame to the honor of God, and it was to be another opportunity for idolatry. But there's a lot of conjecture. It doesn't really matter. They're contending for the body of Moses, and even Michael dared not bring a railing accusation against Satan. But what did he do? He called upon the Lord to rebuke him and deal with him. And you too must call upon the Lord to deal with your enemies. You too must call on the Lord to deal with the devil himself in the demonic realm. I mean, you think about it. How many times you try to do this and you try to say that. You've tried to type this and it didn't work, did it? It didn't work because that's not your place. Call upon the Lord. Let him cover you. Let him take care of you. You know, it's like, let him stand on your behalf. Let him defend you. I know that some will rant and rave and and yell at the devil and point the finger. You know, the devil's probably just sitting on a rocking chair like, dude, you have no idea. You have no idea. You can't take me on. You're no match for me. But then you call upon the name of the Lord. Lord, I, I, the Lord rebuke you. The devil must. You know, the devil doesn't, he doesn't care if you yell at him and scream at him. But if you resist him, he flees. You just get on bald. You know, and, and I say this only for the sake of there is a group of people that that's their ministry. You go around yelling at the devil and doing all kinds of weird stuff and trying to tell you, well, your problem is you just don't take the devil and take the authority. And de-. No, the Bible says not even Michael the archangel did that. What makes you better than Michael the archangel? You can't even draw it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter, the faithful shepherd, warns us against false teachings. We'll get into more next time, but false teachings always come through false teachers. And why does he warn us? Because a faithful shepherd will always feed and always warn and always prepare. And the best antidote to falsehood is always the truth. Know the truth, church. Read your Bible every day. Read it every day. Study it. Grasp it. And live it out. Don't be hearers only, but doers of God's word. And it was Henry Ironside, that great preacher, that said, and I quote, God forbid that we should traffic in unlived truth. I like that. Live out the word of God in your life in its most simple version, little by little. And as we live in the truth, a healthy church is able to purge out its poisons and become even more healthy and even more strong and even more effective.
1: Thanks for hanging out with us here at Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this message again? If so, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through our app and podcast. Search for Ed Taylor to download that today. Each month we pick out a book we think you'll enjoy and that can really serve to help you grow in God's abounding grace. We want to help you develop a spiritual library, And this month, it's Ebenezer Stones by Catherine McDougall. It's so easy to get focused on our problems and difficulties. And when we do, our focus is no longer on God. We can so easily forget how God has been faithful to us. The remedy is to get your focus back on God and the ways he has been faithful. In this excellent book, you'll learn how an ordinary stone can be a powerful reminder of God's faithfulness. The Bible calls it an Ebenezer Stone, which means stone of the help. Request Ebenezer Stones when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this online at Co. That's our online store at calvaryco.store. I'm glad you've taken time out for our study in 2 Peter. Join Pastor Ed Taylor all week long as we continue to learn how to live by and grow in God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace.